Good to see everybody. It's a blessing to be with you again this morning. We're in a great series, uh, as always. As always, we say um, good morning to Pastor Linnell all the time. She is uh, staying busy around here. And I didn't really get a chance to say last Sunday, but thanks to her and everyone else that uh, worked so hard for Shake the Nations this year. It's a lot. It was a lot of work. It was really impactful. Still getting emails and phone calls from people literally around the country and around the world who were online. So it's really a blessing, right? We're in, a, we're in our uh, purpose series, and um, I, I want to do a few things today, actually three things. I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about where we are in time. I want to talk a little bit about where we are in time. I also want to talk about where we are in our calling as a church so that everyone understands why we are here while we exist as a church. And then the third thing is I want to talk about uh, where we are in mission. So uh, where we are in time, where we are in our calling in the church, and then where we are in mission. So I hope you can take some notes. It might feel a little bit like a Bible study, but there's nothing, there's nothing worse than a shouting, ignorant saint. There's nothing worse than being joyous and not know what you're joyous about. There's, there's, there's nothing worse than just, there's nothing worse. You've got to do both. You've got to dance and worship and be celebratory. And then you also need some information to go along with that so that we understand where we are in time. Is that all right? Okay, so it, it might be good to take some notes. I'm just going to share with you and also honor to the leadership of this church, all the great leaders from those who are serving and those who are on staff, uh, PJ, the staff, everyone, we just, we want to honor you again today. I am particularly serious about what's going on around us. And in, in that interest, I want to make sure that this church, Ambassadors Worship Center, stays on track of producing the type of leaders that can have an impact on the world. that it's time out for just hanging out on this planet. And uh, going along with the flow and allowing what others have planned for us to just happen around us. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about where we are. Today, we're in the middle of the 10 days of awe, those 10 days of repentance and preparing for the next life. We're already in a whole new year, this year of 5783. Uh, our, our calendar, the calendar we live by in the world is not the original calendar. The original calendar, the original calendar started by the Hebrews. This is actually the year 5783 in God's calendar. And it's literally, we're in the period of the Great Reset. We're in that period of the Great Reset. Many of my friends are on their way to Israel this week uh, just to be a part of what's happening around the world and co connecting to it spiritually, right? So don't sleep on this because what I'm going to be teaching you is really the effect of where the world is going. And now Ambassadors Worship Center has been called out of the world into this place to establish his kingdom. That's why we're here. So 57, 57, 83 is the year in God's calendar. And literally, we're in the first year of the next seven Shemitah. 
So after this six years we go through, we go through another seventh year where we shmita. We Everything rests, everything goes back to, to the way it was. We don't plant, but we receive in the same time, right? And, and, and again, I'm building my case for you coming tonight. Don't stay at home and iron your shirt for church tomorrow. <laughs> huh? What did I say? Yeah, don't stay at home and iron your shirt to go to work tomorrow. Uh, be a part of building your own future by understanding the times that you're living in. Am I making sense? Okay, maybe not yet. I'll get there. So it's the first year in the next line of Shemitah, which means we're in the next seven years of a rotation in God's calendar. Now, the library that had all this information in it was destroyed in A.D. 70 when there was an invasion on, on Israel, right? So the, li- the first thing the enemy does when he comes into your life is he d- tries to destroy your history, your library. So when every country is conquered, one of the first places they burn down is the library because everything is written in the library. All your history, where you're going, where you've come from, that's where it's written. So some people are saying that there's a guess on whether the Shemitah or, or whether the Jubilee, I'm getting the Jubilee now, which is also a part of Shemitah, they're not sure whether this year is the year of Jubilee or the next. Jubilee, I will describe Jubilee. Jubilee, and, and I just believe we're in Jubilee because Jesus is the king of Jubilee. So we just have to be ready for Jubilee. Now let me describe Jubilee. Here are the rules for Jubilee. Am I going too fast? Good. Here are the rules for Jubilee. Every 49 years, every 49 years, there is a Jubilee, right? And here's how to describe Jubilee. Now, put this in your notes, because if you need to read it, you can go back and read this in Leviticus. In Leviticus 25, 8 through 17, I'm just not going to read it all for you, right? In in Leviticus 25, 8 through 17, here is what happens in Jubilee. Say Jubilee. Jubilee is announced on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement here in our calendar starts Tuesday night at 6, and it ends Wednesday night at 6. It's a 24-hour period, right? That's the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is the day that they predicted in the Bible that Jesus would come and give his life for us and pay for our sins, That was the prediction, that he would come and pay for our sins. Can you say with me, we're already there? So Jubilee means something different to us than it would mean to them who have not accepted the Mashiach HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. They have not accepted him as king. So now they're still waiting for Jubilee. They are still waiting for Jubilee. And when, I, when, it, when the Bible describes it to you, you don't want to wait. Say to yourself, I don't want to wait for this. Right? So here's Jubilee. It's said on the Day of Atonement, it is announced. The books are closed. And that means now it's proclaimed liberty throughout the land. In other words, everyone returns to their possession. Everyone return, returns to their family. And you shall not oppress anyone. So in the year of Jubilee... In the year of Jubilee, everybody gets what's theirs. Debts are reset. Your, any crime that you've committed, you are expunged. Any attacks coming against your life, 
they are canceled by God. Anything that you have been waiting on forever starts to happen for you. Anything that's been stolen from your family for generations, in that year of Jubilee, it has to be restored and the oppressor, the oppressor is crushed. So anything in your life during Jubilee, oh my God, anything in your life when it comes to Jubilee, there is no more oppressor. You return. Now, now, so let me deal with this because this is in the room. People are like, well, are we Christian? Are we Christian? Are we whatever? Are we Jewish? Are we whatever? I am all of that and I'm a kingdom citizen. And for those of you who are in love with this world, I am not. I believe nothing in this world. I have nothing in it. I'm not against anybody. I'm not for anybody. I am the kingdom. I'm neither the elephant nor the donkey. I'm the lion. He's more triumphant, right? So, so from that point of view, I'm telling you, everything is preparing to be reset. So in this, in Jubilee, in Jubilee, if you bought something and you could not pay for it. You bought something, you could not pay for it. You bought something from Jim, now you owe Jim, and you've defaulted on your loan. Jim could put you in servitude because you owe him money. Indentured servants. So now you're serving him to pay it off. But at the end of that seventh year and in Jubilee, you are debt-free. Everything you had has to be restored to you, Right? Anything you have said, anything you've done, it's been expunged, and now you are free to live your life. Everything becomes reset. It's almost like a default system on a computer. Why do you reset your computer? You reset your computer because it's running slow. It's not running fast anymore. It's not delivering the right information anymore. You have to reset it because it gets a better connection to the internet because you don't know what malware, what everything else is going on on that thing. You press reset. In other words, you go back to factory settings. I'm not a computer expert, but I've had to do that several times. And some, I have to call somebody and say, what button do I push next? Let's make sure we don't mess this up. Because Martin, once you push this button on this computer, it's going to forget everything it ever had on it. It's going to be gone. I said, shoot, I'm ready. Anybody there in your life today, you would just love to be able to press reset, reset and be restored to your original thinking. Be restored to the original thought process you had in your heart. You would be restored to who God really thinks you are. All of that. I am looking forward to this reset. I am, I'm looking forward to the reset. I'm looking forward to not having to think a lot about mistakes. I'm looking forward to a reset in my family, in my finances, in my body, in, in my life, in my everything. I'm looking forward to, because what reset does is it takes you back to the original. And it restores to you the years. I'll see, there's a lot of scripture. All the years that the canker worm ate, all the years that the woman, God says, I will restore in one year. This is the Jubilee. So whether the Jubilee is this year or next year, I'm receiving it now. Am I making sense? Okay, so let me move on from that. So in Isaiah 61, 
in the Old Testament, as they're thinking about the year of Jubilee, as they're thinking about Shemitah and they're thinking about this whole reset, the Bible says in Isaiah 61, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings, the good news of the kingdom to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, keep reading, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day. Now, this is in the Old Testament now. This is in the Old Testament as Isaiah uh, Amos, there are a lot of prophets who are thinking about the day of Jubilee. They're thinking about it and they're prophesying about it. And in this scripture, they, they give us what we just read in Leviticus. You see it there? Can you see it? They're, they're saying, listen, the Lord has anointed me. This is the prefix or the, or, the, or the expectation that Jesus the king would come. And they're saying that Jesus, he is anointed to preach the good news to who? No, it's not everybody. Preach the good news to who? See, that's why they got y'all. They got you because you don't understand that the kingdom has to be preached first to the poor. So let me look in the camera, which I never do. All y'all out there been talking about me telling everybody they need to be rich. It's in the Bible. The Bible says the kingdom has to be preached to the poor. We got to find ways to preach the kingdom to the poor. Because once you have what you need, you don't need nobody. Once you have everything you need to make that thing happen that's in your head and heart, you don't need anybody. You don't need, to, you don't need to beg for anybody. You don't need to have anybody give you anything. You don't have to have anybody open any doors for you. You are now financially in the right position to just do what your assignment is. Now tell the person next to you, say, don't be mad at him. Be upset at yourself because you don't understand this. Can't believe he's up there talking about money. I'm not. He is. He said, preach the good tidings, the good news, the gospel to the poor. That's what he sent me to do. That's what he sent me to do is preach to the poor. He has given me, he has sent me to heal now the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives, same words, and to open the prison doors to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year, Jubilee. He has sent me to proclaim the acceptable year of Jubilee to God's people, where everyone becomes free. And then vengeance, the vengeance of our God. He says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He says, I repay. 
You don't repay. He repays. But he says there's coming a time when he will deal with every oppressive system on the planet. And that's during Jubilee. I believe by faith that you can say, I'm going to live in my Jubilee. And anything that's oppressing me, especially my own thoughts about myself, that anything that is oppressing me, I'm coming from underneath that rulership of my life. Anything that's keeping me where I was or anything that's keeping me where I am, I am not going to allow that to rule me, not now. And see, and that's why I've got to make a decision by Wednesday night. I've got to decide. I've got to decide what my next year is going to be. I've got to decide what the next six years are going to be. And I only can decide that not by thinking it. I have to say it. I write on my heart with my words. By your words, you will be condemned. By your words, you will be justified. It's not your thoughts that do it. It's when you speak your thoughts. Out of the abundance of the mind, the mouth speaks. So whatever you're thinking is what you say. And then whatever you say shows up in your life is concrete. That's why you can't hang around. You don't have time for gossip. I know it feels good when you're in a crowd of people talking about other people you don't like too. I don't like them either. I like talking about people I don't like. That's ridiculous. Stop it because now you're building a world of pain for yourself. The more you talk about people, the more people are going to talk about You need to be in a room where people are talking good stuff, talking about dreams and the goodness of God, and talking about God blessing other folks, because that's how you build your world. Listen, sugar lump, this is how the kingdom works. Now, you're not going to believe this, but I'm going to show it to you anyway, because I need to move on. There is a group of people who met. They've been meeting every year for a long time. But they met in 2022 as well. And their call, I want you to understand what's getting ready to happen. Everybody believes in the, in the big reset except the church. So it's called the world. You Put it up on your phone if you think I don't know what I'm talking about. It's called the World Economic Forum Reset Plan. During the same period of time, they have a plan for us. And it's demonic. We need some people who will stand up as warriors and declare in the name of Jesus that the kingdom of God is going to advance, cast the devil out of these systems. And you can't cast the devil out of a system by pointing at it. you got to get inside of it. I rebuke you. No, get in there and change some policies. Let me show you some pictures. This is the annual meeting in 22. Y'all know this guy? You know this guy? These people decided at their meeting that there are more, 
We need to get rid of 3 billion people on the planet for it to be sustainable. Don't believe me. Go in your cell like a phone right now. For this world economy to work, we've got to, for the oceans to be reset, for everything to be reset, it's people that's the problem. It's not carbon monoxide. It's not stuff we're putting in the air. You better be listening to what I be saying up in here. I don't need, okay. You see you sitting at this table? His father was the one that opened Planned Parenthood. Next photo. This is the committee, the board of directors, who are getting ready to reset everything. They wanted you in your houses for COVID, so all you had was the internet. Next photo. Sorry, don't throw up. I don't hate anybody, but I want you to know what's happening. Do y'all see what's at the bottom of this? What does it say? Who's getting ready to lead it? Everybody, everybody that's involved in this, they don't all die. Kings and queens don't die, they ascend. Did you see anything in a box? The Great Reset, he says, he, he says, the Great Reset, as we move from resource, <laughs> why am I doing this? As we move from rescue to recovery, therefore we have a unique but rapidly shrinking window of opportunity to learn lessons and Y'all hear the words? We need to reset ourselves on a more sustainable path. And you people don't know who you are. You don't know what you're called to. You bring no value to the earth. But they're about, they're about uh, five or so thousand billionaires on the planet. We know what's best for you. And we're going to use our rockets to build us another society while we control the one you live on. Y'all don't want to come to church now, do you? We must use all levers we have at our disposal. He, you're not at this meeting. Who's he talking to? Knowing that, I'm too close. Knowing that each and every one of us. You ain't ready for this. You ain't ready for this. Here was their slogan. 
Here's the slogan that they're using publicly and privately. Can you deal with this? Put it up, y'all. The next slide. We're going to a digital currency that can be turned on or off electronically. Now, you mad at me for telling you for years, save your cash. Buy gold. Silver is better because it's a better conductor. They use it more to build things, not gold. I told you about your life insurance policies. Build a 250-year plan for you and your family so that when you die for 250 years, the money keeps growing. You, you've been laughing at me. And now you're one to two years away from it happening. You will own nothing. And you're going to be so happy. <laughs> you won't own the house you live in. We're going to own it. We're going to pay all the bills. We're going to own all the businesses. In this reset, if God has set a period in time to reset everything, we're going to keep you ignorant and we're going to take advantage of the reset. And we're going to reset you. AWC, we're not supposed to be like any of these other churches. It's not our calling. Say what you want. That's the church all those rich people go. I was told that the other day when I was in a meeting. That's that church all the rich people go. Y'all got smoke and lights and all that stuff. I heard you upgraded your stuff. And I don't know who they thought they were talking to. They thought I was going to back up and say, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I said, you jump around right. I believe everybody that comes and sits in the purple chair was born to be rich. I do. I do. I believe that. I don't. I believe. I believe that. Well, people in your church sin too. I'm like, how did we get from that to this? Are you trying to tell me that the people at AWC aren't worthy to be rich because they're sinful? I said, shoot, I'm the chief among the sinners there. God delivering you through Jesus, now how he going to say, you too sinful for me to bless? <laughs> I done put Jesus on your life. Okay, is there a lawyer or a judge in the room that would understand that in the court, in the courtroom, in the courtroom, there is evidence. There's someone who takes the blame. Once that person takes the blame, they are guilty. You can't have two different people who are guilty of the same individual crime. Either Jesus is guilty or I am. Somebody say not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Guilty. Yes. 
running around here adjusting your life because of how people think and how people have this opinion of you and your dreams and what you got in your heart for your family. I'm telling you today, that's from God. That's from God for you. Somebody say reset. Say, I'm going to reset my own life. I'm going to reset my own life. I'm going to reset my own life. I'm going to speak into my own life. I'm going to set some expectations of God, and I'm going to watch him do miraculous things in my life. So I respect everybody up there, but I don't need another government. I'm not counting on anybody I'm voting for. Not ever. No. None of them believe in me. Not one, two, three, four, I don't know how many parties there are. None of them believe in me, and if they did believe in me, they couldn't do anything for me. Why am I preaching so hard? Shoot, because you got three days. You can't be pussyfooting around adjusting your cup. You got to get ready to hit the ball. <laughs> I mean, you can't, shadow boxing is over. No, you getting ready to get punched. You got to make some decisions. Ask your neighbor, say, how you going to stay there? Being as big as you are. You're too big to stay there. You're too talented to stay. You're too talented, too gifted, too called, too empowered, too smart, too wise, too bad. I know this is okay. So watch this now. This is the trip. Go to Luke 4. Luke 4, 16. This, this is just amazing. Every time I read it, I almost come unglued. You start talking about jubilee. You talk about setting a time and putting a person in place. Luke 4, 16 says, so this is Jesus. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He came back to the place he was, being ra- he, he was raised in. And as, his cust- as custom was, because he's a priest, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Huh? And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. In, our, in, the, in the wonderful country, in that wonderful nation, in Jerusalem, there is a priest that is assigned to read. And the date they are assigned to read can be done five, six, seven, ten years in advance. Martin, you're going to read this scripture on this day in the future. Jesus goes home on the day he was supposed to read. And the scripture was already chosen for him to read. You don't pick a scripture. You're reading a historical document. And scriptures are read on certain days. Jesus came back and showed up on the day this scripture was handed to him. 
the scroll. It's not a Bible. It's a scroll. So it's not like he got a scroll and the pen was there. They, they lay a pen there and this is what you read, right? He couldn't search through the Scripture and read something else because it's not your Bible or your phone. It's a scroll. So where it was opened on his day, he had to read it. God is so good. If he can set Jesus up like this, what can he do in your life? Watch, watch, watch what he does here. Jesus reads. Read it with me, y'all. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are, and to proclaim what? The acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus stands up on the day he's supposed to read. He reads Isaiah 61. And that's not what messed him up. What messed him up is what he literally said first. Because what he said first, Luke wrote down last. <laughs> Maybe I studied too much, but I hope this tickles your toes. Watch this. Then Jesus closed the book. He closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and all the eyes were upon him. But read verse 21. This is what he did first. And he, is it up? This is so good. Read it, y'all. And today, <laughs> y'all, you see, this is what he did first. He walks in the room. The attendant gives him the scroll. Jesus is bad. You need to be bad, too. You, you need to stop really caring. He, he opens the scroll, and then he looks up and he says, the scripture I'm about to read today is being fulfilled in your sight. What I'm getting ready to read to you is happening today. Let me tell you what's getting ready to happen today. I am the Messiah. And I'm getting ready to read to you why I'm here. He's saying, this is the reason. This is the purpose in which I was called. And then he reads, I've been made your Messiah, which means I'm anointed. I've been anointed. I am the Messiah. He's reading this now. They're looking at him like, Jesus? And he's saying, I was sent here to preach the gospel to the poor. I was here to open all prison doors and to heal the brokenhearted. And I'm here to be your jubilee. I am your jubilee. I am that sets the clock back. I am the one that resets you. I am the one that helps you forget. You know, let me help you out. I told a brother the other day, he's about 75, and he says, I'm beginning to forget things. I'm beginning to forget things. And he was concerned about it. I say, in our kingdom, you never, you always forget what you need to forget. And you always remember what you need to remember. Let me help you out. God's going to help you forget some stuff. You're going to be like Paul when they accuse you. When they say you were killing all them Christians, Paul said, I ain't never hurt nobody. Oh, you don't mean? I've harmed no one. I don't know what you're talking about. I hurt, I hurt somebody. There are some things God's going to help you forget. And most of it is about you. You know, the people outside your life can't really be as tough on you as you are on yourself. 
you remember stuff about you that we forget. And you hold it against yourself. But you can't help me there. You can't help me. You can't help me. You can't help me at the slot bucket. You can't help me in the mud. You can't help me there. I need you elevated to the place you're called. That helps me when you're a complete person operating in purpose. Tell your neighbor, I need you to reset. I'm talking about for real. Preach to him for real. I need you to reset. I'm serious now, girl. I'm serious, brother. I'm serious. I need you to reset. I need you to reset. I need you to press that default button. Because you remember too much stuff that we don't even think about. Jesus says, I'm here to be your reset. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here right now to get you out of prison. Now, we, we, we have an AWC, and this was the original one we wrote. This is not the one on the app, but we have, we have the original, the calling of AWC. The calling of AWC. I mean, very intelligent people have written it new, but this is the way God gave it to me at first. Right? This is the way he, God gave it to me at first. Y'all all right with this? Put it up on the screen. Let's read it. Read it. With Jesus as our example, what do we do? We proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to every person. Replacing. Talk to me. Talk to me. I can't hear you. Come on, y'all. Why? Thereby. That's why God called this church. You ain't sitting, you ain't sitting up in no $20 million building that you paid off because we're just average. We're called. Don't change our calling. We're here to produce people. who can go into the world and show him what the kingdom is like. So I have to preach to the poor. I have to. I've watched welfare mothers with three kids come off welfare, start a business, pay off their house in cash. I've watched it. I can tell you story after story. That is our calling. I walk in rooms every week, and there's somebody in that room that'll just say, hey, pastor. Say, hey, how you doing? They're your ushers. They're taking care of your babies, and they're in high offices in the city, everywhere, in the governor's mansion, the mayor's office, chamber of commerce, hospitals, media platforms, they're all over the city sitting right next to you right now. (laughs) Teachers and administrators, people who are affecting the world with love, hope, dominion, and power. Real estate gurus, fitness experts, 
in here right now, not produced by me, but produced by the culture. Pastor Martin, you ever been tempted to leave AWC? Every Friday. I'm not kidding you. My wife, for 27 years, have to talk me off the edge of the roof. Martin, Martin, you can't. I mean, don't. Then, then the next weekend is her. Babe, you can't do it. <laughs> Why am I afraid? Because the culture created me. I'm not big here, but this culture, this thing, this machine, I'd be killing myself if I left it. Because everything I produce came out of here. Why would I cut my branch from the trunk? Am I making sense at all? I know you're ready for something else, but this is what you're going to get today. (laughs) This culture is, gets the oppressor off your neck. This culture trains you not to wait for someone else to educate you. Educate yourself. Someone asked me the other day, and I don't mean to be political, and when they always get political when I'm in these rooms, I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm not sure what we're doing. I don't really care about any of this, but since you asked. Martin, how do you feel about critical race theory? I said, well, I hate it because I lived in it all my life in Mississippi. I lived in subjects, and I was like, is that the way it really happened? And while I was working for other people, I went to them because we didn't have them. I went to the encyclopedia to find out the truth about what I was not being taught. So this education system who's been bought by the Rockefellers, am I right about it, Mr. Roger? This education system in our, one of the best educators in the world sitting right there. This education system you sit in. We don't own it. One family in the world owns the education system, including your Bible. It's owned by one family. So what's in your Bible is everything that helps them reset your life into what they want you to be. Look at your neighbor and say, I'd walk up there and just slap him in the face. I should just slap him. <laughs> but don't, I mean, my, my Will Smith is up there. Pastor Nell, don't, Pastor Nell, don't play that. You mess with me now, you might get slapped. <laughs> Moving on. So here's, here's where I'm coming. What is the good news? Put up the scripture first. We have to deal with this because everyone doesn't know what the good news is. Preach the good news of Christ, brother. That's not good news. Jesus was never the good news. He was never meant the good news. The cross was never the good news. The resurrection was never the good news. None of that was the good news. 
The gospel of healing is not the good news. The gospel of prosperity is not the good The gospel of faith is not the, none of that is good news. That's all the stuff that comes when you get the good news. I'll read it to you. No, I'm going to read it. You read it. Come on. And this gospel of the kingdom, what is it? The gospel of the, the what? The, read it now. And this gospel of the kingdom, what? In, as a witness to all the nations and what? The end can't come. until we preach the right gospel. Who going to tell you that? Who's going to tell you that praying for Jesus to come is working? Come, Jesus. <laughs> no, Jesus is like, no, you go. <laughs> I'm not coming anywhere. I'm trying to send you into the hospital and preach the kingdom. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to send you to the Supreme Court so that you can preach the kingdom. I'm trying to make you the principal of a school so that you can preach the kingdom. If you go, I can come. But if you never go, I can't come. Read the next one. I'm going to give you three because you ain't going to take one. Read it. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in there, doing what? Preaching the Gospel of the, what was he preaching? He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And after he preached it, he healed the sick. Because once you preach the gospel, wherever you preach it, it has to be healed. If you preach the gospel in the system of education, that system has to be healed. One more. Y'all good? Hang in there with me now. One more scripture. Watch this. Then he called the 12. What did he say to them? He called them together and he did what? Gave them power and authority over all demons. I, don't tell you, I know people don't talk about it. They don't talk about it, but if, a, if there's a demon, if there's a demonic force, if there's a power in your life that keeps manipulating you, keeps bringing bad things to you, attacking your family, attacking your finances, attacking your body, don't miss tonight because we believe that demons can be cast out. We also believe that ignorance can be eradicated. We believe that you can come out of your prison. We believe that. Well, I don't believe in all that. That's totally fine. Just don't hinder those that do. So he called them, and he gave them power over demons and to cure them. He sent them, next verse, he sent them. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to, listen, that's not just sick people. That's sick organizations, sick companies. He sent them from the room with the purple chairs into the world. And when they went into this world of 
10,000. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this guy, and he says, I've got, I've got 25,000 employees worldwide. Something's really happening. I'm not sure what to do. Some people are calling it the great resignation. Some people don't want to come to work. Some people who've been at home, and I'm saving a whole lot of money because they're at home. Now they want to be back at work. They want to be back in a building that we sold while y'all weren't watching. So I said to him, I said, you need a new HR director from the kingdom. He says, Martin, what are you talking about? I said, you need a person who's been trained in kingdom concepts and really knows how to help people find out who they are, where they fit in your company, what their dream is, what their passion is. They may be in the wrong section in your company. You might have them over here in marketing, and they really belong in a productive place. They want to produce. They don't want to just talk about it. He said, I've never thought about it. He did like this. I never thought about it. You know what I did? I said, I have. I said, this is what we do every week. Let me tell you something about the world. Billionaires have a lot of money, and they don't know what to do with it. People are in position, and they don't know what to do with it. A guy who won an election said to me, Martin, it's different. There's a difference between winning an election and governing. I'm good at winning elections, but I don't know what to do (laughs) once I'm in office. So I just follow what everybody else is saying. What if we could get people in office that know what to do? Am I pushing y'all too hard? You know, you know I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. And that's, I, I love where the church is going. I love PJ. I love what's happening. Because he's going to attract more people than I would, and he's going to give me a chance once a month to just come in here and beat you up. So, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't look at him. So, so I'm the guy that will watch you change the tire and celebrate you changing the tire. Man, you did such a great job changing that tire. I'm amazed at your work. Do they allow tips here at this tire shop? Yeah, you can put it in my name. Good, I'm giving you a tip. Here's a money tip I'm putting in there. Can I give you another tip? Sure, they think money's coming. I was like, no. You were so good at this, why are you still changing tires? Hmm? Nobody else changed tires like this. You need to move up to management. Go tell your manager, I'm going to train all the tire changers. All the tire changers up in this tire shop, I'm going to show them how to change tires. And if they balk on that, y'all okay with me? It's okay if you're not. If they balk on that, go back and look at the Yelp. Tell them to look at your Yelp. Tell them to look at all the responses. When people comment, who they comment about that did a good job? He said, that's always me. I said, let me tell you how to turn that data into money. If it's always you, if it's always you that they're saying, he did such a good job changing my tire. I said, take those numbers, slap them on the desk to your boss, and say 90% of the time they say I changed tires well. It's time for me to be promoted. And I like this company. So instead of leaving, I'm going to train all the tire changers. He said, I never thought about that. 
I said, think about it. Next time I went there, his shirt was all clean. Everybody was coming to him, and he was talking about how great he was. I said, "Uh uh-uh, you got to pay me. What's the percentage of the raise you got? I am a consultant. Uh Uh-uh, pastor. That's why I got out of pastoring. Y'all think you're going to keep a pastor in his place. No, it's time to make some real money. Ask our neighbor, did he make you mad? Did he make you mad? Did you get mad? (laughs) There's something you do better than everybody around you. I digress. I'm an athletic administrator. And when I was AD, when I was at the top at the university, I always said, we make too much money from these athletes. Some of these athletes will go to school and they say, all we give them is a scholarship. They said, that's enough. I'm like, it's not right. It's not just. It's not just for the coach to make $10 million a year. And the players who might get hurt in college never get to play in the pros. Says, no, 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 no. It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. N- nothing ever happened. I had to leave that system. I preached long enough and it wasn't changing. Hmm? Three years ago, they said, we ain't going to pay you, but you can pay yourself if you want. These players got on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. They opened YouTube channels. Some of these players are now making $2 million a year, right? But they did not expect what happened next. The players who are making their own money can decide where they play college. So they're leaving all these big They're leaving all these big college teams and going to play where they want to play. Some are going to smaller colleges. Some are going to HBCUs. Some are going to play. I just, it's it's close to my mama. And as long as they got a good doctor and a good workout facility, I know I'm not going to get hurt before I go into pros. I'm going to go play where I like. And now they said, oh, no, you can't do that. You got to go play over here in Alabama. I'm sorry. You got to go play over here. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. You got to come to Clemson. You got to come. You got to come to Arizona State. They said, we don't. We can go where we want. See, people don't understand and they're afraid of when you get free. Give your neighbor a high five and say, I ain't scared of you, though. Though, though, not though, not though. Though, I ain't scared of you, though. Can you even say it? Can you even fix your lips like that? I ain't scared of you, though. Oh, that's right. You from Louisiana. It's this Midwestern guy we don't know about. <laughs> Anybody afraid of you being big? Why are you hanging out with them? No, I meant answer me. That was not rhetorical. Why are you hanging out with them? Talk to me out loud. Why are you hanging out with them? You know they don't want you to be big. Why are you hanging? Why? Huh? You don't? Huh? You're uncomfortable leaving. It's familiar. Hmm? It's become a safe place for you to be around people who don't believe in you. If I was in Mississippi, I'd say something else, but I won't. I'll say it like this. What is wrong with you, C-H-U? (laughs) 
You need this church. That's what you need. You need the culture we have built. So, where, we are, where are we in mission? We exist. This church exists. It will lose its anointing and its purpose if it drops this existence. This is our what. This is our why. This is our purpose. This is our calling. To be with God so that we can produce more people like this. We exist so people can pursue and experience the life in the kingdom of God that he has designed for them. So the kingdom of God has to be preached. But you must be equipped. You have to be equipped. We don't give you a gift. We try to sharpen the one you have. We must produce ambassadors. Send them into the world. And for those who are comfortable not becoming that, you just love to come to church. We don't have an issue. We don't have an issue with you that don't come and you're online. We love you so much. As a matter of fact, we're making some decisions to even serve you better. We want to serve you. We want to serve those of you who come. But the idea is for you to become who you were designed to be from the beginning. So, let me ask you a couple questions. What is or what are your gifts? Go ahead and put that up for me. I did this at Shake the Nations. I want to spend some time with you. Here's where the tire meets the road, folks. Do you know what your gifts are? What are the things you do naturally? And, and, and let me just say it this way, because... Because PJ was like, you need to preach all on this. I said, I'm not. I want to talk about some other stuff, but I'm putting this at the end. That's why he's laughing. It ain't funny, though. <laughs> the people who came to shake the nations and some of our amazing leaders were here. Some of you were not able to come. You were working. We know we do it during the school year. We know, we know the cycle's not, not always good for everybody. We know it's three days of vacation. We do. We understand that. And there is no hate. There's none of that there. But I'm just going to tell you what the truth is. The people that shake the nations is not my priority. It's a service we offer to them once a year. You are the most important people to me and to us. And we have to pour into you. We have to give you what you need to be where God wants you to be. Am I making any sense? You are the priority. You are partners here. You've joined this house or you're considering joining this house. So you're our team. We have to develop you. 
Something happens when there's a coach everybody wants to play for. I need you to play for me. I need you to feel good about this vision. I need you to use me as as a broken example. But I need you to play. I need you to leave everything on the field. I need you to push yourself. Stop asking yourself to do something you can't do and just decide to do what you can. Be the biggest you you can every day. Let pressure be in your life that as the Holy Spirit's moving you, you step up to it. This is how we do it. What are your gifts? Do you know? If you don't know, go to that website, MWI, martinwilliams.org. Go to that website. Take that survey. It's brilliant. It's very expensive. It has an algorithm behind it that's amazing. Take that survey. We created it for you. And as PJ said, in the next few weeks, in the next few weeks, we're going to be training on this. Right? So what are your gifts? Next, you need to figure out, it's very important, what's your desire? If you've not heard me teach on it, go on the website or something. And figure out what is it, not that you really want, but what is your desire? AWC, do it. Do it. What is it that's really in your heart of hearts that you desire? Do you know that? You got to know. And then lastly, what is your passionate assignment? In other words, where and to whom are you called? I could have been bad all I wanted to and moved to Mississippi all I wanted. It would have been a horrible mistake. I had to answer to the place I was called and to the people I'm called to. You have to also. Where are you called? Now, it's not the gifts, the desire, and the passion, passionate assignments. You're not going to just work on, I'm just going to work on my gifts. You get what I'm saying? People make the mistake. Oh, my number one gift is leadership. I'm just going to focus on leadership. Mistake. Don't just focus on one of your gifts. Don't just focus on your gifts. This is more than you can pay for. Hold on now. Don't just focus on your desire. Because some people get stuck in their desire and they never pay attention to their gifts. They just get stuck in, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. I want it. (laughs) I want it, I want it bad, I want a husband, I want a wife, I want some money, and all that's in your gift. You never develop your gift, you're never in the right room with the right people. I'm just going to be here on my assignment. This is where I'm assigned. But you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) You've not trained yourself. You've not studied your craft. You're not the best at what you're supposed to do. But it's your passion, though. You're in the classroom. It's your passion to teach, right? But you haven't equipped yourself for the next level. You don't know what you're doing. You're just average. 
You're not standing out in the hallway. You're not standing out at the assembly. It's just passionate assignment. Go ahead and light up the center. When you put all these together, that's when God, the universe, the ants, and the elephants, and everything in your life start to work with you. In that place where your gifts, your desire, your passion, and your assignments, that place where they come together, everything looks for you. You don't, you don't understand what I'm saying. Do you? Don't go to sleep on me now. I just got a couple minutes. It's this you're developing that none of us can describe. Okay, grunt us something up here, guys. This we can't name because it's the perfect composite of your gifts, your desire, and who you're assigned to. So none of us can tell you that. Thus saith the Lord, you're called, shut up, prophesy to me. I'm, I'm sorry, I did that once. I'm like, just shut up. I'm sitting here. If I wanted a prophecy, I would have come up there. I want a sure word of prophecy. I want to hear from God. I want God to talk to me. I want insight from him. I don't want it mixed up in what you want me to be, what you're trying to get me to stay in, a place that makes you say, I want to hear from God. I want to know who I am. I want to know what I can do. I want to know where I belong. Because that's where the, okay, okay, watch this now. Watch this now. Y'all not going to be able to handle this, but I'm going to show you something. Because some of you are like, oh, he in that weird stuff now. Let me show you something. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I can't go through this. This is a 15-minute thing. I'm going to try to do it in a minute. Why are you looking at me? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. And I want you to do something. Concentrate on the center of you. You may not even know where that is, but just you. Tap into you right now for a second. Find yourself, take a deep breath, and just center into you. Be comfortable with you, the you that was created from the beginning. This has been you. You accept you. Everyone else may not, but you accept you. You're cool with you. This is ultimate being that made you, and now you're settling in who she is, and you're comfortable with who he is. And now all of a sudden you feel something in your body and your mind because you're in love with you. You're sensing your own power. You're beginning to feel your heart rate change and your mind is settling down. The pain you had in your back or your knees is going away because you're getting comfortable with you. You're getting settled with you. And you're thinking there's nothing absolutely wrong with me. I am perfect and powerful. I am called and wonderfully made. There's something amazing happening inside me. Now, because I can't do this very long, I want you to collect that energy. Begin to bring that energy into one place. The Bible says that you rivers of living water. I want to break that dam in just a minute. Bring all that energy, all that power, all that Holy Spirit, all that glory, all your intuition, everything you are, begin to center that in the core of your body. Begin to center it. The Bible says the heart, but center it in the core of you, that pit of your stomach. When you feel fear or happiness, that's where it starts. Let all that energy collect there. You feel that? 
Now, on the count of three, I want you to jump on your feet and say, boom. Boom is going to be you releasing you in the world. Boom is going to be an explosion that comes out of your heart and out of your mind. And you're saying, I love me, I know me, I'm comfortable with me, and me is powerful. And now I'm releasing me into my world. Are you ready? I want to see what happens. On the count of three, stand on your feet and say it as loud as you can. No music. You're going to say, boom. You ready? One, collect yourself. Be comfortable with yourself. Two, let that rest in your mind. Center everything you are. Everything you are. Center it in your spirit. And ready? Three. How did that feel? See, how did that feel? I mean, tell somebody next to you. I'm almost done. Tell somebody next to you. How did that feel? Tell them. How, how did that feel? How, how did that feel? How did that feel? How did that feel? See, that's you. Okay, here's what the Bible says, because I know you got to have a scripture. The Bible says, before you call, I've already answered you. What he's saying is, I know your gifts. I know your desire. I know your passion assignment. I know where you're called and to whom you called. I'm just waiting for you to release yourself to me. Boom! You release yourself to God, everything starts moving toward you. Stuff you know not of. Phone calls from people you didn't know. Emails from folks you didn't even think knew you. Ideas. People who just want to help you. And they have everything they need to help you. God puts it on their heart. He opens doors for you. Because now you are in this place. And this is how we end today. We end with just a second of you just releasing yourself to the world. Ain't you tired, Miss Hilly? I mean, it's time for something else. Like, what movie is that from? The Help. <laughs> Got to tell them, go watch it. The Help was my family in Mississippi. We were the Help. If you're tired of being there, Make a decision now. I'm just not going to be there. I'm not staying here. There's an anointing on my life. God has anointed me to do what? What has he anointed you to do? Why is there grace on your life? Why are you passionate about what you're passionate about? Why won't it go away? Why can't you just forget it? Why is it on your mind and heart every day? So before the book is closed, I give you one minute to step out into the aisle, come up front, lift your hands and say, God, I'm not running from it anymore. I'm not running from it anymore. We don't have long. 
We don't have long. You need to make this decision now. I'm not running from it anymore. I'm not running from it anymore. I'm not going to keep trying to explain this away. I'm not going to keep trying to hide it. Your altar call is not come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You've already come to him. (laughs) Now he wants to come to you with purpose and calling, dominion and glory and power in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reset your life. Press the default button. Go back to the original plan of God for you. Go back to that original calling. Accept what he wants to do in your life. For the next three mornings, that's what I want you to do. I just want you to sit and meditate on the goodness of God in yourself. And right before you go meet the world, release yourself into it. Boom! Let it be an explosion. Let it be a release of who you are. Let it be a proud, loving person. You love everybody, but you really love yourself. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, for those who cannot come tonight... For those who cannot come tonight, in the name of Jesus, we command every, we command every broken and demon spirit, any spirit that's not like God and it's not like the kingdom, that is trying to bind your people. Father, we say in Jesus' name, leave her alone. She's fine. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. That there will be no spirit that controls us anymore. Thank you that there's freedom in the Holy Ghost. Anything that's been holding your people back, we bind and we cast out of this room in Jesus' name. We stand in the place of prophetic speaking and we say that every heart will be healed. Every oppression will be lifted off. Depression will be lifted off of your people in the name of Jesus. Cancer will dry up in our bodies. Thank you, Lord, for settling the disputes in our families. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you have no rule over us. We say, loose to the bound. Come on, y'all. Father, loose me from what binds me. Set me free from what holds me down. Clear my mind of my own vengeance on my own heart. Quiet the voices that speak to me about me. Settle this feud in my heart. AWC, God will give us the city if we do this. I'll leave the rest of this to tonight.
Can I ask you to do one more thing? AWC, we are a culture. And all of us are weird in this culture. All of us, we're strange. We're, we come from so many different backgrounds. We're all different. There's one thing that unifies us. That's our love for one another. I want to ask you to do three things. If this is your house, plug in. Don't be a wallflower. Plug into this house. Help us bring the level of our service up. Help us do what we do better. Become a partner if you can. When you're walking out of here, everybody, speak to at least three people you don't know. Just say hello. How are you? Are you doing all right? Do you need anything? And I'm talking about visitors too. Just speak to three people. Say, hey, my name is Martin. I just want to introduce myself. How are you doing? And number three, all I'm asking you to do is grow. Grow as a person. Grow as a leader. Grow as a husband. Grow as a wife. Grow as a child. Grow in every way you, every way you can. That's what I'm asking. Am I making sense? Amen. Come on, let's lift our hands. Father, we thank you for everything that you're doing in our life.